Good morning, everyone. I'd like to thank all of you this morning for your prayers and all of your support over the last several weeks. Uh, as my wife, April, and I approached the birth of our little baby girl, Josephine Day Weber, she was born uh, last week, and she is healthy and strong and growing very well. So thank you very much for the way that you have supported us in this time. I'd like to invite you now to open your Bibles to Psalm 36. Psalm 36 is where we will be this morning. It's on page 465 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, we would encourage you, invite you on your way out this morning. We have free Bibles that you can pick up. You can either ask me at the door or one of the deacons. We have a free Bible out there if you don't own one. We would love for you to to pick one up and to bring it back each week and to read through it as we go through uh, each sermon every Sunday morning. Now, as we turn to our psalm, I want to begin with a question of how you think of the world that we live in. And the question is, do you believe that the world that we live in is open or closed? It is an open or closed system. What do I mean by that? Well, an open system can be illustrated by a pot of soup that is boiling on the stove, right? Heat is coming into the soup. The broth is boiling. Steam is pouring off. And you can add ingredients to the soup. You can add salt or pepper for taste. You can add chicken stock if you need to add it for flavor. At different times throughout the process, ingredients can be added in. It is open to change and influence From the outside. On the other hand, if I'm making the same soup in my new ninja foodie pressure cooker, I'm dealing with a closed system. You put all the ingredients in at the beginning and you seal it off and it is closed. Once it starts, there's nothing coming in and nothing coming out of the system. If I forget to add something, if I forget to add the salt, it will just have to wait. There is no invading the closed system of a pressure cooker. So, is the world that we live in open or closed? Is the universe a self-contained system that is sealed off from outside influence or is it open? Are there forces that transcend the perceivable material world that affect people and nature and history? Or can we explain everything in this world merely by natural causes? Now, for countless ages, the majority report was that this world was open. Cultures across the globe acknowledge that there is a spiritual reality that exists and that even invades and inhabits our physical reality. Spirits, gods, demons, angels, and souls are not the invention of one culture or one religion, but rather it is the assumed reality of the spiritual world interacting with the physical Yet our modern secular culture is decidedly closed. We have come to a place in our collective thinking that the world is sealed off from outside influence. There is only physical. There's no interaction between physical and spiritual because the observable universe is all that there is. 
All human behavior, all phenomenon in the world, all historical outcomes must be and can be accounted for within a closed frame of thinking. Now, by creed, that is what we say we believe as Christians, we must be open in our view of reality. We believe that God speaks to us in His Word. We believe that He created and sustained us. We believe that the Son of God became man and even dwelt among us. We believe that the Holy Spirit is here, even now, working among us. We believe that every human being is at the very crux of this interaction as being both physical and spiritual beings. However, by culture, that is how we behave in society, I would say that most of us are closed. Functionally, so many of us live as though what we touch and see are the only forces at play in our lives for good or for evil. Human suffering and conflict is accounted for by lack of education or lack of resources. Human flourishing is accounted for by hard work and civility. We declare that there is more to this world than to eat, drink, and be merry, yet we live as though functional atheists who measure morality by self-determination and not God's Word and look for meaning and salvation in work and achievement and not in Christ. And yet what we will see in our text for this morning is that despite what our culture might assume, The world is not closed. It is open. And because it is open, it means that through Christ's invasion of this world, we might have spiritual life beyond physical death. So hear now the word of the Lord. Psalm 36. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep. In his heart, there is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and to do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens your faithfulness to the clouds, your righteousness like the mountains of God, your judgments are like the great deep man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of our Lord will never Pass away. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, we pray in this time. 
that by Your Word and Spirit and in Your light we might see light. In Your truth we might find freedom. And in Your will discover Your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the very first thing that we see in our text is rather surprising, I believe, when we stop and ponder what verse 1 is saying. You can turn your attention there and look, it says, transgression speaks. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. Now here we see a personification of transgression. That is, sin has taken on a personality in which it is acting as though it were alive. Now what is transgression doing? Well, It says that transgression is speaking to the wicked deep in his heart. Transgression is speaking. Now the term translated speaking is used throughout the word of God to speak of a prophetic revelation and is usually used to describe the language of God or the voice of a prophet speaking on God's behalf. Yet here we see that it is transgression, it is sin, it is rebellion that is revealing something to the heart of man. It is transgression that is speaking and implanting thoughts and emotions deep into the heart, deep into the psyche of human beings. From the first chapters of Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation, we are told that there is a personal wicked enemy of God. Evil is not merely a concept or an action to avoid, for there is indeed an evil one who is speaking into the very hearts of men. The Word of God tells us that there is a lion prowling around seeking someone to destroy. In the garden it was revealed as the serpent who spoke into Eve's heart. Sin was crouching at Cain's door. John tells us that the devil put into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus tells Peter that Satan's design was to sift him like wheat. And Paul tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see, we try to ignore it. We tend to forget it. Culturally, we say it's not possible. But we live in a world that is open to the work of spiritual evil. There are personal spiritual beings that seek to disrupt and destroy the work of God and tempt man to sin and destruction. And the chief among them is called Satan. He is called the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the liar, the deceiver, the thief. And by his work, the word of God tells us that he blinds the minds of men and women and pours into their hearts the poison of his rebellious ways. Transgression truly speaks to the heart. But this rubs us the wrong way. Our modern Secular culture says this is not possible. 
This is delusion. This is the stuff of the past. You are out of your mind if you think that there are spiritual forces at work in this world. And yet, God's Word reveals to us that there is a world that is beyond our ability to perceive or control. We feel their effects, yet we fail to understand their origin. And so we blindly follow after their lead when we do not know they are at work. See how it plays out in the rest of verse 1 through verse 4. See what happens when this evil force speaks into our hearts. We see that then there is no fear of God before His eyes. For He flatters Himself in His own eyes that His iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Why do we not reject evil? Because evil has spoken to our hearts and we have received it. Now, God's word never makes an excuse for man's own sin. We cannot blame the enemy if we listen to his words and follow his ways. Adam tried to get out of it. Eve tried to get out of it and say, hey, it was the enemy that tempted me. No, we are guilty of following the enemy's ways. Judas was guilty of betraying Jesus. We are responsible for our sinful actions and rightly deserve the judgment that will come for rebelling against God. Yet, we will never clearly understand what is happening in our own lives or in the broader world if we turn a blind eye to the evil spiritual powers that are at work in this world. For evangelism is opposed by the work of the enemy. Prayer is opposed by the work of the enemy. Growth and holiness is opposed by the enemy. For he desires and is acting to bring fear and depression and distrust and discord and gossip and immorality and death into this world. And I would be remiss if on this Sanctity of Life Sunday... As we mourn 47 years of Roe versus Wade, if I did not point out in light of God's word that the move to establish abortion is not merely a political battle that is to be fought at the ballot box, it is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle against evil. Evil that would look at a child and say that it is a mass of tissue that can be destroyed. Even as I'm holding my one-week-old daughter and looking into her face and say the only difference between this child that was allowed to be born and a child that was killed was my desire to have her into this world and another person's desire to not have their child. It is evil that is influenced by an evil force. And we must fight the evil spiritually. We must call out in prayer and ask that the Lord would defeat such evil working in our nation and in the world. That life would be protected and that the enemy who seeks to steal and kill and destroy would no longer have free reign over our children. We are blind if we think that we only fight this battle politically. We fight this battle spiritually in prayer, asking that the Lord would end it. 
that He would change hearts and lives so that we wouldn't necessarily have to have a law that outlaws abortion, but that we would have hearts that would not even imagine doing something so wicked. You see, we must be aware that we are not only open to the enemy's attack, but by nature we are bound to the enemy's power, blinded to the truth, dead in our sin. Now, a prison is designed to be a closed system. Another illustration of a closed system. It is meant to be sealed off from the outside world so that prisoners cannot get out, nor can anything illicit make its way in. And if this world is closed, then we are in a prison. We are trapped within a world that is winding down to death. And there will be no prison break There will be no release because there's nowhere to go and there's no one to save us. But God's Word tells us a different story. Yes, we are in a prison, but God has broken open the walls of this prison to rescue us. Look at verses 5 and 6 of our text. There the Word of God says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep man and beast you save, O Lord. You see, this world is not closed off to the Lord. Rather, the whole world is filled with His glory. From the highest heavens to the great deep, God is present. He is moving and He is active. You will notice in this text the descending movement of the words in verses 5 through 6, beginning as high as can be conceived in the very highest of heavens, moving all the way down to the deep. Now, it's important to see that God is not present merely like some force of nature. He is present relationally. It is not just that God inhabits our space like code running in the background, keeping things going. No, He is acting and moving and communing with His creation. Verse 5 says that His steadfast love extends to the heavens. These two words, steadfast love, actually translate one Hebrew word, which is hesed. And hesed means love shown through faithfulness to a promise. It is God's covenant promised love. And Psalm 36 is telling us that God is moving in this world to make good on His promise to save His people. His love is compelling Him to invade our prison and to save us. And this is the very nature of the Gospel. For the birth of Jesus Christ, which we celebrated just a few weeks ago, was the highest revelation of God's working in history, of God's invasion of our world. For God came to this world as a human being and lived among us. He spoke to us. He fed us. He ate with us. And then He died for us. He went to the very depths to break the power of sin and to bring us into His kingdom. All humanity was toiling under the power of Satan, imprisoned by sin. 
But God did not merely wait to see if we could get ourselves out of our trouble. He came to rescue us. He came to love us. He came even if our view of this world says it was not possible. For this world is open. We are not sealed off from God, nor is He sealed off from us. He comes to the very depths to save us. We know that the Apostle Paul was not only opposed to Christ in his early days, but he was actively persecuting the church. He was evil. He was filled with malice. He was doing the work of Satan, but God invaded his life. The Bible tells us that he was headed to go disrupt some Christian activities, maybe persecute some believers. When God broke into his world, struck him blind for a time and saved him. Paul had no intention of following after Christ. But God was not bound to obey the will of a sinful man. Rather, God in his open world invaded Paul's life and saved him. That is the gospel. That God saves and not man. That God saves, that God intervenes, that God invades, that God acts, that God breaks into this world, that God speaks to the hearts of men, that God calls us out of darkness into light, that God causes us to be born again to a living hope. You see, we want to put a wall up somewhere. Maybe the wall is around the universe and God can't come in. Others say the wall is around nature and God might exist as a deistic clockmaker that wound it up, but his hands are off now. And so miraculous just doesn't happen. And others want to say the wall is around the human heart. He's free to go where he wants, but he has no right to invade a human heart and to change it without permission. There is not one place in this world that is not open to God to do what his steadfast love causes him to do he goes where he pleases and he saves whom he wills our god is not far off waiting to see what will happen he is here he is present we are open to him and he is saving for there is nowhere we might hide we are open to god's salvation now i'm sure that like me, many of you have a nighttime routine that includes going around your house to make sure that your doors are locked at night. Some of us have alarms that we set, we close the blinds, we pull the curtains, and we go into our rooms, we get under our covers. There's something about getting closed in that makes us feel secure. On the other hand, you feel quite vulnerable when you are out in the open. When the door is unlocked, when the covers are off, there's been more than one time when I've gotten into bed and I've thought, did I lock the door? And I can't go to sleep until that question is answered. And maybe right now you feel a bit exposed and vulnerable when you think that the world is open to spiritual forces that are beyond your control. It might creep you out a bit to think that there is evil present and active in this world. It makes you feel uneasy to say that God works to save how and whom He pleases. 
yet we need not fear. For it is only in an open world that life will come to this dying world. Look at verses 7 through 8. There we read, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Yes, life is open. But in God it is protected. For though transgression speaks, God speaks a more powerful word. Yes, the enemy seeks to kill and steal and destroy, but the Lord Jesus Christ has come that we might have life and have it abundantly. For with God there is refuge. With the Lord there is abundance and delights. In a closed world, there can be no outside influence. We're sealed off. And if this is the case, then the universe is moving towards a rather bleak future. For as we look at this world, we realize that all things are slowly dying. Cosmically, we see that stars are burning out. We see that solar systems are degrading. Galaxies are collapsing. And through the slow decay of time, in a sealed, closed world, all things will come to a cold, dark, quiet end in which each atom is separated from another by an ever-growing, unfathomable distance. But rejoice, for death and darkness is not the end of this world. For our world is open. And that means that God's life and God's light are being infused into this world. And even now, we can know His refuge and the abundance of life that He gives. Even now, we can walk in the light of His countenance and clearly see that the light is good. For the Word of God tells us that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Yes, we were in the darkness. Yes, transgression had spoken to our hearts. But through Christ, a more powerful word has been spoken. And we who are dead have been brought to new and eternal life through Christ Jesus. Because the world is not closed, God's life is open to us. By faith, we receive this life. Through Christ. Now, those of you who are particularly astute, who read your preparing for the Lord's Day, who maybe even just glanced over your bulletin, might be thinking to yourself, I thought the title of this sermon was Prayer in an Open World. I don't know if he's even said prayer yet. Well, don't worry. I haven't forgotten prayer. But before we got to prayer, we needed to have firmly fixed in our minds that this world is open. Because if there is no enemy, then we need not pray against his assault. If there is no God, then we need not pray for his deliverance. 
If the world is not open, then the Lord's Prayer makes no sense when we request, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the last three verses of our text make no sense. For there we read a prayer. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. You see, Psalm 36 is a prayer. It's a prayer in an open world. A world that is open to the enemy's attack. But more than that, A world that is open to the Lord's salvation and life. And yet prayer is the first thing to go when we don't believe in an open world. When by creed we believe in it, but by culture we are closed, prayer is the first thing that goes. Because it's a waste of time. If there is no openness in this world, then why pray that God would would work in this world? But this world is open. And that means that we must pray. We must call out to God. We must pray against the schemes of the enemy in this world and in our own hearts. We must pray for our children as they are so often the targets of the enemy's work. We must pray because God is at work in this world. He hears our prayers and He saves. Do you desire life? Do you desire abundance and goodness? Do you desire peace for yourself and your family in this world? Then we must pray. We must call out to God. For this world is open. And I call upon you as we gather together as a body to pray that you would join with us on Sunday mornings as we gather to pray for this service. We don't just pray because it's practical. We pray because there is spiritual warfare going on on Sunday mornings. Join us the first Tuesday of every month as we fast and we pray. This month we prayed for the unborn. Next month in February we're going to be praying for the marriages that are here in our church because there is spiritual battle coming against the marriages of our church. Pray with us on Sundays at 4 o'clock. We gather together to pray for this body, to pray that the Lord would bless this body. Join with the people of God. For it is a great measure to see if you truly believe in an open or a closed world when you look at your prayer life. Because if you knew this world was open, then you would be calling out for God to come and to work. The psalm ends on a rather somber note, maybe. We read, there the evildoers lie fallen, they are thrust down, unable to rise. Yet this need not be the final word. For in a closed world, there is only those who are thrust down, unable to rise. But in an open world, in a world where God has come to save, there is life and there is light. So call out to the Lord in prayer for protection and life. Knowing that your prayer is not bouncing around in a, like fake snow under the glass ball of a snow globe. Not going anywhere. Just floating around. But rather, 
Know that your prayer is openly heard by a God who is present with us and that is mighty to save. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now in this hour. We ask, O God, that you would open our minds, that you would shine forth your light, and in your light we would see light. For we know that our minds are blind to the spiritual forces that are at work in this world. And yet our hearts feel its power. And our lives play out the effects of the enemy's work. So would you not come, O God, and deliver us? Holy Spirit, would you not thrust out the work of the enemy? Would you not protect us and deliver us from evil? Would you not set us on a path of life, knowing that in your house there is abundance and there is life forevermore? We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.